0: Amen. Christ is risen indeed. This is what we have been talking about in our study in 1 Corinthians 15. We are coming to the end of chapter 15. Next week we will be in chapter 16, which will wrap up our entire study of 1 Corinthians. But to catch you up to speed, if you're a guest with us or you haven't been here in a couple weeks, to to hear uh, where we've been in chapter 15, it's it's exactly what we've just sung. Jesus has died, He was buried, and He has risen. That's the big idea. Jesus died. He literally died in our place for our sins. He literally rose from the dead, victoriously conquering Satan's sin, death in the grave. And he appeared, we've, we've been told in, in chapter 15, he appeared to upwards of 500 people at a time. So the the resurrection has been validated. We've spent two weeks talking about the legitimacy of that. We talked about last week about how if, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, that our faith is meaningless. There's no point of showing up to church. There's no point of praying. There's no point of doing any of this because our faith is futile. We're still dead in our sins, and there is no hope. But the the good news is that Jesus is alive, it is factual, it is real, um, and uh, He is returning. And so this is what we're looking at today. And so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hands. One of our ushers will bring you one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Uh, the, the, the big idea here is that Jesus is returning. He will return. We don't know when. We don't know the time. We don't know what day. We don't know how many years from now. We don't know those details, but we do know Christ is returning. And we've spoken recently in the past few weeks about what it looks like when a Christian dies. When a Christian dies, they, we, we, we've seen in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body means to be at home with the Lord. So we know what happens when we die. For the Christian, when you die, you go into the presence of God. You go to heaven. We've talked about it also that, that heaven is really is the real holding place. Uh, heaven is the holding place for the Christian. Uh, but there is a new heaven and a new earth. When Jesus returns, he's bringing the new city, the capital city of heaven, new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, where we will when we get our resurrected bodies, we'll, we'll reign with Jesus in that new heaven and new earth. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, a little bit about what those bodies look like and what that would be like. And But the point is that when we die now, our soul, meaning the immaterial being of who we are, um, uh, is, is, which is made for eternity, goes to be in the presence of God, in the presence of our Lord Jesus. We can't see the soul in this in this realm, but in the unseen realm, you could. And what I want us to think about when it comes to the human soul is that sometimes we just because of some dumb movie we watched we just pictured the soul being some like light and some just ball of of gas and being as if it has no form or no identity your 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 soul is who you really are it's your immaterial being it is it is a in the unseen realm if we were to see that it would have form unseen form to us now because we can't see it but when angels show up if you ever when you read about in the scripture when angels or or those heavenly beings that come from the unseen realm into the the seen realm it 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 is blinding it is it is uh sometimes they do, angels disguise themselves as, uh, as 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 other humans and they, they they have form but the point being is that in the in the 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 heavenly realm in the unseen realm the soul of our being has form form. It's real. You can identify it. It can experience fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord Jesus, pleasure forevermore. It is a real form being. It is a immaterial being. It's not made for the earth. It's made for the earth. It's made for eternity. It's an eternal being. That means every person you encounter is an eternal soul, an eternal being that will spend eternity either in the presence of God or apart from God. That, that, that our soul has a true identity, that is, that is you, it's you, who you are. And so the question we're asking today is, uh, in light of that, so Christians die, they go home to be with the Lord, their soul's in the presence of God, what happens to their body? What happens to their body? What well, goes? some, some, put in a grave, some get cremated, some, what happens? What happens to this? What happens to the body? We know what happens on earth, but what happens in the future? He says in chapter 15, verse 35, about uh, asking this question. Some will ask, just like we, I just asked, how are the dead raised? Meaning, what kind of body will they come? Like, what kind, what, if, if Jesus rose from the dead, and we're promised that we're going to be raised from the dead, and we have a resurrected body, what is our resurrected body going to be like? What's it going to be like? Uh, what's it going to look like? Uh, what is it like? Now, he's going to he's going to describe to us what it's like. He's not going to be able to uh, show us a picture of it, but you're going to have to use your imagination a little bit, and he's going to use some comparison here. And so we've spent a lot of time talking about the resurrection, the implications, and so the question actually should be asked, if we're going to get a resurrected body, what's it like? Like, what's it like? If you don't think about what your resurrected body is like, Ask some of the children there. they're going to, they have opinions. They're asking the question, what's it going to be like? Am I going to be like a superhero? Like in some ways, yes. Like it is going to be, and that's what it's better than your human body now. And so he says this in verse 36. He goes, you foolish person. Now I want us to note, he's not, he's not saying it is foolish to ask this question. What is our resurrected body going to be like? But it's likely some commentators would, describe, would, would say that Paul is addressing maybe this question being asked by some of the Corinthians from a, a not-so-genuine heart, like a, like a heart of mockery. Like, what's our, what's our resurrected body going to be like? Are we going to be zombies? And it's to, they're like making a mockery of this reality of this resurrected body. And so he's like, man, y'all are being foolish. Y'all are being foolish. And so sometimes people can, when it comes to the resurrection, can act pretty foolish. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. But I want to say, explain in our context, our time, um, we, we are uh, far more people, probably in this room today, really are just genuinely like, interested. Like, I'm super interested. What's this body going to be like? Like, what's it going to be like? And he says this, uh, what what you sow does not, does not come back to life unless it dies. Point being is, you die, and then... If we're talking about a new life, a new resurrection, a new hope, we, we all must die. And he says, what what you sow is not of the body, or, or so what you sow is not the body that is to be, so the body that's to come is not like the one that, that we have now, but a bare kernel perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, to each kind of seed his own body, meaning like every every seed produces a different uh, form. So corn, it looks different than wheat, which looks different than an apple tree. Like they're all, they're all seeds, different seeds, but they produce a different form based on, on what kind of seed it is, is what he is saying. For not all have the same, or, or so for not all flesh is the same. But there are, there's one kind for humans, another kind for animals, another kind for birds, and another for fish. So the analogy here, what he is, he is saying is, he says it's like a plant. It starts off as a seed, and it becomes something else. If you've ever, uh, if you remember back when you were a child, perhaps you did the the uh, old uh, put a seed in a cup, clear cup, and watch it grow. Like you you see, the seed die, because that's what happens. The seed dies, and then it gives new life to whatever plant you're growing. A lot of lima beans were 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 done in my childhood, but uh, uh, and so this is something we even teach our kids now to to watch the the seed seed become whatever plant is. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. To, to watch, and so what he's saying is that uh, just like kids get clear cups and they watch plants grow, so too we're going to have. Some, and they're like, "Man, that's awesome!" So too the logic implies that when we die, we're going to become something awesome. We're going to when we die. One day we'll become something awesome. Now, what he is not talking about here is reincarnation. We've got to be clear about this. He's not saying you're going to come back as a plant. That's not what he's saying, or cockroach, which would be really awful. Uh, but, uh, it, and I want you to know that it, it is, it's worse to spend eternity apart from God. But uh, just so you know, that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying that we are like uh, a seed that becomes something new. What he is simply talking about here is the fact that, first, all must die. That's his first point. Second point is that he's answering the question, what will this resurrected body be like? Something completely different than what it went into the ground, That's what he's saying. Just like a seed is something completely different than what the tree it becomes. Like the tree is far, the apple tree is far more awesome than like the seed that goes in the ground or the seed you bite when you, you know, get too close to the, the center of the apple when you're eating your apple, right? Like it's just like it, it is, it's not that cool. But what it becomes is pretty cool, and the fruit fruit it produces is pretty awesome. And so he's saying in a similar way that uh, all people must die. And once we die, and Christians, when we resurrect, it will be like something totally different. Something, our minds in comparison, for the sake of analogy, just like a seed to whatever plant it it, it becomes. Additionally, he says that plants and animals have a different kind of flesh. So humans have a, a type of flesh, like literally flesh, our bodies are different than animals' bodies. Uh, which are, are similar but different, uh, different than humans, uh, sorry, uh, fish is f- like the body of a fish. And this is where it gets more interesting. It's like clearly the human body was not made to live in the depths of the sea, correct? It wasn't. You can't. You can't live down there. Why? Your body wasn't made for that. Your body wasn't made for that. Your body, right now, your body that you are clothed in was made for this earth, not for the sea, but also not for heaven. Your, your human body was not made for that. Your, your body's not made for that. Your body, this body that we live in is not made for eternity. And his point is what's sown in the flesh has different shapes, different body, different form. You have human bodies, you have, you have animals, they have form, you have fish. They all have different form, different flesh. So too it is with the Spirit. The Spirit of God uh, or the Spirit of, of the resurrected bodies will have a different kind of form than our current bodies. It'll have form. Of identity, It will be a body, but it will be glorious. It will be different than your current body. Our resurrected bodies will be different than our current bodies. Different. And he continues. He says there, verse 40, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Bodies made for heaven, bodies made for earth. The, the, the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another kind. So the, the glory of our body, it's glorious, it's of one kind. The, the body that we will receive, the heavenly body, is another kind. There's a glory of the sun and a glory of the moon. Another glory for the stars, and for stars uh, differ from star in glory. So th- he's, what he's speaking now here is that our earthly bodies, what you see now, will pass and you'll get something better. You'll get something more glorious. You'll get something made for heaven. Our bodies here are made for earth, but even on earth they get sick. Like it, the, the world that we live in has been corrupted because of sin. When sin entered the world, not only did death come, but also the corruption of the world. Like the, the creation itself, we're told, is, is actually longing for the return and the resurrection of Christ. Like The trees, the grass, the, 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 the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, everything that's, that's alive on planet earth longs for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth. And so we get sick, we decay, we 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 go down into the grave and our body rots. We get old. We get we we, we are corrupted with, with gray hairs. I was looking at a picture the other day, I was like, man, I got more gray than I thought I did. You know, I, I just, like I lost my hair at one point and I went years of thinking that I was not losing my hair. And it's just like this is part of the 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 pain of, of 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 being a part of the this earthly body. I got back pain yesterday when I woke up my hips hurt for I don't even know from what. like my body fails me. your body will fail you. You cannot put your hope. and we live in a world right now today where a lot of people put and I'm not against fitness, I'm totally pro fitness, but people think that we can escape death. You can't but we can have a resurrection. so. The heavenly bodies are not like that. They don't decay. They don't don't get tired. They don't go into the grave. They don't have gray hairs. They don't fall uh, in pain. They they are made new. Our heavenly bodies, our resurrected bodies, will be different. They are made for eternity. The same way a fish is made for the sea, humans are made to dwell on earth. So will our resurrected bodies be made for the new heavens, the new earth, for glory. He talks about it in this way, glory. So in, in this glory, glory is this this idea of he's he's referring to the sun, the the moon, and the stars is this reflection of 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 radiance, and so mankind was made in what the image and glory of who God. We were made in God's image and glory to reflect him in everything we say and everything we do. But that's been corrupted and distorted because of sin. It's like we've we've seen in in earlier parts of 1 Corinthians that it's like looking in a mirror dimly. Or like a broken mirror, a fractured mirror. When you look in the mirror, a broken mirror reflects in a fractured form. Not a complete form and not a perfect form. So the glory that is reflected that in, 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 man, in, human, in, in hum, humanity's glory is of one kind, but we need a, we need a perfect kind of glory, a, a resurrected body that is to come. Now with that being said, what is unique about the human body in the, in the human uh, flesh is that it is still glorious. Like mankind is still glorious even in our sinful state. It's not the perfect glory as the glory of the only son Christ Jesus our lord or or the presence of God the father but but the image of man is still pretty glorious. Have you ever thought about what man has accomplished? Like we like we have AC now. In Texas we're like man this is the one of the glorious things ever. Like cars that have AC. This is super cool. These I, we could go on for days about how the glorious their uh, uh, achievements mankind has made. Now we we've totally Shipwrecked a lot of our our stuff, but uh, the reality is mankind, even in its fallen state, is glorious. The the only difference is we've just exchanged the glory of God for the glory of man. So we're told in Romans 1 that that's the problem, is that we stopped worshiping our creator God and giving him glory to his name and started giving glory to our name. Because we are still glorious, just not as glorious. We were made for glory, Romans 8 says, but we don't get that till the end. We we will be glorified, Romans 8 says. You're not just justified, you will be, what, glorified. And so we were made for glory, but our bodies, our corrupted sinful bodies can't handle that glory. This is why Moses, when he comes into the face of of God, when he says, hey, I want to see your glory, I want to see your face, God says, no, you can't. Your your, your corrupted sinful body cannot handle the glory of God. But I, I need us to see here, our resurrected bodies will. Like our resurrected bodies will be able to handle the glory of God and not freak out, not, not be terrified, not, not be, be, be so afraid, but will actually be able to be in the presence of God and experience the fullness of joy. Like Isaiah in chapter 6 of Isaiah, he's, his body literally, when he says, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming undone when he enters the presence of God, his flesh is literally failing him. Because our flesh, our, our earthly bodies, as he has said, is made of a type of glory that cannot handle the glory of God. We are getting a glory, a, a body that can handle the glory of God. We will be glorified. We were made for glory. But our sin has corrupted our earthly bodies. And so we await a new body, a resurrected body, one that will be a, a glorified body that can handle the glory and presence of God. It's going to be awesome. That's simply what he's saying. He's going to be awesome. No sin. Our body won't be, be prone to sin. There won't be shame. There won't be, there won't be, there will be, it'll, be it'll be perfect. No sickness, no ailments, no tears, no pain, no suffering. We will be made new, a new body. Verse 42, and so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown in a natural body will be raised in a spiritual body. Again, this is how it works. Our current bodies, not made for eternity, but made for the earth, will go into the grave, and we will get a resurrected body, which is made for heaven. And so he says this our earthly body dies uh it, it, and it decays but 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 there's this new body that is returning he says that it is uh, our current body is perishable it's like it 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 has an expiration date on it 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 goes bad it's like we are not humanity is not like wine we don't get better with age we're like milk just eventually just Heads downhill. It's perishable. But what we get, the resurrected body will be imperishable. And, 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 I, and some will ask this. Well, this, this, or so we die, we go into the ground. What about those who are cremated? What, what, what about that? Or some will then, then also ask, what about some buried in a tomb? And someone discovered, we discovered their body. Now we're like picking apart their bones. And what about that guy? What about, what about all the other ways to die? Like what happens to the body, and this is a, this is uh, an important point I think that should be made about the, the resurrected body, uh, because this is a this is a, this is a real point, and it it really is a real point in, in, in many theological camps of why some who are cremated are then put in a, a, a particular tomb. Um, I know the the, uh, the Roman Catholic belief is that you need to, the the cremated body needs to be put in the grave so that when Jesus comes back that that, that body gets to come up with 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 it. But then the question you get asked, well, what about those who are cremated? What about those who are cremated and like dumped in the ocean and spread out? Uh, what about uh, like are they all these pieces going to just assemble? Or what about all the flesh in your own house right now that like, you know, when you, when you, your, your skin falls off, like you got, you got some flesh in your house right now. Like your pillow is full of it. Like what, what is it going to look like? And like, we really got to ask the question. And moreover in their day, they were asking this question too, because some of the people, uh, Christians would be. This is important. Some of the Christians uh, in this time would be lit up like a light post for Nero and their parties. Like Christians were going to get persecuted. Some of them were going to be burned at the stake, literally incinerated. Others were going to be thrown to lions in the Colosseum. And their body just marred in two. So, so this is a real question people ask, whether it's someone who, who lost the loved one in war uh, in, in some sort of explosion, or someone who was cremated or, or, or the early Christians, and what happened to the guy's body who got torn in two? Like Jesus, like, at least was still kind of intact. But this guy, the lions ate him. like his face is in that lion's belly, and the rest of him has been scattered. Like what happens to, to, to this person? They were a believer. They died for their faith. Like, what happens? Well, here's what happens is that what is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. What is sown in weakness will be raised in power. The point I want you to see is that what is sown in a natural body will be raised with a spiritual body, and you'll get a new body. It's not the same, it's not the same material. It, it's not the same body, it is a body. It's the glorified body, but it's not the same body. It's not the same body. Like, it literally is something new. When Jesus says, behold, I'm making all things new, he's not just implying he's, he's gonna do a reno job on, on your earthly body. New body. He's not doing a reno job on he- the heavens and earth. He's given a new heaven and a new earth. New. This is awesome. This is glorious. This should give people, like, a, a sense of, like, okay, I, I can that happened. I lost my loved one in that way. They were a believer. Man, their soul was at with the Lord, and they're going to get a new body. They get a new body. Not a different version of the same body, a new body. And for those of us who have the, uh, dishonorable features, he says what's well, sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. Like, so all the, just think about all the, 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 the dishonorable features you feel like you have. It's going to be made in glory. It's going to be made new. You're like, man, I lost my hair. See, that's one of mine. I used to have glorious hair. And I think this is why God took it from me, because I loved it so much. Uh, not because he, he doesn't like us to have what we love. Man, I thought this was, I, literally, there was a guy, it was a friend of mine. He was a, uh, man, I probably shouldn't get off on this tangent, but I am. Um, he was like, man, your hair is your identity. Uh, and I was like, man, that's a cool line. Uh, it, like, it's not, though. It's not a cool line. It's not. It's It's false teaching. Long hair, cool locks, man, awesome. You know, I got it, I lost it. Not Samson style, but you know, I lost it. I lost it. And, it, and, it, and when, I, when we get a resurrected body, we'll be raised in glory. And so maybe you get injured, maybe you're hurt, maybe you have an ailment, maybe there's something going on in your life and you're like, my body is just, I, I, is it gonna be like this with my resurrected body? No, it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be perfect. No sickness, no disease, no frailty, no weakness. What's what's sown in weakness will be raised in power. He says. He says if there is a verse uh, forty five or forty four continuing, if there is a, a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written: the first man, uh, the first man Adam, became the living being, and the last Adam became a life giving spirit. That last Adam, Adam, is Jesus. But it is not the spiritual that is the first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, a man of dust. This is Adam. The second man is from heaven. This is Jesus. As, as the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as the man of he- heaven, so are also those uh, who are of heaven. Uh, just as we were born in the image of the man of dust, we will, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What he's saying is, Adam was created from the dust, literally created from the dust. That's what Adam was created from, and this is why our bodies go back to become dust. Jesus was was uh, was was not create. He was not conceived of the flesh like we were. We are, we are told that Adam was of the flesh completely. He was the first Adam. Uh, and then the last Adam, which is Jesus, was conceived of what? The Holy Spirit. It's what we, we, it's what we celebrate at Christmas, that Jesus was, was born through the womb of Mary, but was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He, he was not conceived of the flesh. He put on flesh, put on skin and bones, but did not inherit the, the sin nature of, of, of that comes from Adam. Jesus is sinless completely. This is the most important thing about, one of the most important things about the incarnation and the virgin birth is that Jesus needed to put on skin and bones that would corrupt, but he needed a, a, to, to, to not pass, he needed to not be fully flesh in the sense that he was uh, uh, conceived of, 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 of man. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of what? The Virgin Mary. And then he what? Suffers under Pontius Pilate. Like we really believe this and it, and it matters it matters for this reason, is that Adam was created from dust and shall return to dust. Jesus came from heaven and came to earth. He, he left heaven, came to earth, and he put on skin and bones, was born through the womb of Mary, but he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Adam was literally made from the earth. Jesus condescends from heaven and comes to earth. Those are the, that's the difference. And so our natural body will die like Adam and our, our souls will be, a part, uh, will be with the Lord, and our resurrected body will be like that of heaven, like the Lord Jesus, of what, where he is now. The question, therefore, for us is, I mean, who's your Lord? Is it Adam or is it Jesus? Those who remain in the flesh, he is saying, uh, are not made for heaven. Those who remain in the flesh were will ju- will, will not made for heaven, is what he's saying. And so the question is, who is your Lord? Is it Adam or is it Jesus? Through Adam, you will not get, if, if, you are, if you remain in Adam, you don't get saved. You do not get a resurrected body. You don't. You will not be raised in glory. And so the souls of those who uh, enter the presence of God after, after is, it's appointed that man must die, and then what, face judgment. So immediately we, we face judgment. We talked about last week, the sinner get, gets judged to condemnation. And the saint, meaning those who are saved by Jesus, gets, gets judged and, and they get commended. Well done. One gets reward, one gets punishment. Under Adam, there is punishment. Under Jesus, the man of heaven, there is glorified body. There is glory. There is no sin, no suffering. There is the presence of God. Mankind was born in the image of Adam, the man of dust. But when we put our faith in Jesus, he says, we are born again and made into the image of the heavenly man. Who is Jesus. It's a question we should be asking us and generations to come. Well then, how do you inherit this kingdom? Like how do you get into the kingdom? If, if what is of the flesh cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, how do you get the spirit? How do you get the new birth? How do you get the, what, the, the different imperishable thing? How do you get that? Well Jesus has this exact conversation with a, with a, a religious leader named Nicodemus. Um, we're going to we're gonna get there in one second. I, I forgot. First Corinthians fifteen fifty says this. It, it speaks how you can inherit this kingdom. And then we're gonna get to specifically how that looks in a moment. But how can you inherit the kingdom of God? First Corinthians fifteen fifty says, "I tell you this, brothers: flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the, uh, or sorry, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Meaning, flesh and blood don't have doesn't have a chance." Mankind does not have a chance. We are broken with sin. We are perishing. We are hell-bent on our own destruction. Look around. We experience in our life the the pangs of, of sin, death, decay, our morality. We can't escape death because of sin. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin keeps us from God. Sin brings forth death. But Jesus came to save, to take what was perishing and redeem it, to buy it back and to make it new. Jesus came to, uh, for, to take what was perishing and make it, what the text says, imperishable. And so I need us to see this. Only Christians can inherit the kingdom of God. Only Christians. The kingdom is for the king's kids. know, it's self-explanatory, but I want to make that clear. The kingdom, well, then how do you get into the kingdom? How do you get into the kingdom? And this is what the, the man Nicodemus was talking to Jesus in Matthew, in John 3. He says, how can one inherit the kingdom of God? How can you do this? Jesus answered Nicodemus when he asked the question. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the entrance into the kingdom of God. you got to be born again, meaning you must become a Christian. Christians are the only ones who get access to the king in his kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, so Jesus tells him this. He goes, okay tell me about this Jesus he goes how can one be born again or born when he is old can he enter a second time into his mother's womb when he is born like this he's literally has no clue of how and and so for us we have to see what Jesus is not saying hey you got to get into your mom's womb one more time you got to like do the whole birth thing all over again And, and Nicodemus is not thinking that that's possible he's saying this seems impossible which is true it is impossible to not only enter your mother's womb again it's also impossible to be born again by yourself. You can't make yourself born again. It's an act of God. He says in verse 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, meaning um, from the womb. That's what he means. If you're born of the womb, you pass through your mother's birth canal. That's the first birth. The second birth, he says, is, is of the spirit. He cannot, if you're not born of water and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And he says this. Listen, it's, it's interesting. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's the same thing that Paul's talking to the Corinthians about. Jesus has already said it. We are not born as Christians. We must be reborn as Christians. Children can borrow their parents' faith. They can borrow their parents' faith. But they all must. everyone must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom. Faith comes... By hearing, hearing of the word of Christ. Our children need to hear the word of Christ and own their faith. Their faith needs to become their own. Move from their parents' faith to borrowing it, to having their own faith. We mark those moments with baptism. So we do. And so Jesus tells Nicodemus, only, there's only one way into the kingdom. Only one way in. You've got to be born again. You've got to be born again. Our sinful flesh cannot inherit the kingdom. Our sinful flesh cannot enter the presence of God. We need renewal We need new birth. This is what Jesus is teaching, and this is what the Apostle Paul is teaching. We need new birth. We need to be born of the Spirit. So, how is one born again? Another great question. Jesus answers that in verse 16 through 18 of John chapter 3, which is perhaps one of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. What is it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. See, our bodies are made perishable. What Jesus is not saying is is you won't die. You will die. Your earthly body will decay, but you will get an imperishable body. You will get what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. You will put on the imperishable body if if you have faith in Jesus Christ. So you have two things. You get uh, that resurrected body, Jesus says, and and eternal life. But eternal, eternal life is knowing Jesus. Jesus tells us that in John 17. He continues, he says, for, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, which a lot of people love that verse, and they just stop there. But in order that he might save the world through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of God. Here's the thing that I want us to see, church. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Don't scoff at that. Don't hear that as merely a child song. Jesus Loves you. He loves you. He gave himself up for you. He created you. He made you in his image. You rebelled against him and he said, I still want you in my family. God so loved the world that he gave, he gave Jesus his only son. This is the greatest demonstration of love. That God saw you in your sinful state, rebelling against him and said, I want you. I want to redeem you. I want to buy you back. I want to make you new. I want to make you new. And Jesus dies in your place for your sins. Anyone who, he says, believes in him, believes upon the name of Jesus, put your trust in the name of Jesus, the person and work of Jesus, the salvation of your soul. If you put your faith in Jesus, you look upon the cross of Christ, I like to say it, we look upon the cross and we we see Jesus, we see my sin and therefore he's my Savior. He's not, it's not just their sin. It's my sin because he's my Savior. You believe upon the person and work of Jesus. You have eternal life. You have salvation. You have knowledge of God. You, have, you are born again, Jesus says. You're born again. And so Jesus says this in verse 17, that the world is already condemned. The world is... And the people of the world, the, those in Adam and those who live uh, only under Adam, they're condemned already. They're set, they, it, 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 this cards are stacked against them. They need new life. They need new birth. They will be destroyed at the end of time. They will be apart from the presence of God in torment forever. But God says, I love you. I want you. I want to redeem you. I want to save you. I want to buy you back into my family. So I sent Jesus. Believe upon him. It's what the, Jesus is saying. And, and verse 17 makes it clear that Jesus didn't come primarily to condemn the world, but to save the world. Why did he not come to condemn the world? Because they're condemned already. The world is condemned. Sin condemned us. He says, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not, whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is what? Already condemned. Already. Already condemned. Already condemned. See, verse 18 is clear that if you don't believe in Jesus, your trajectory right now is currently set on condemnation. You need to be rerouted. You need to be rerouted. The route you're on is headed towards condemnation, apart from Jesus. So we are rerouted. Our our eternity is rerouted through faith in Jesus alone. I'll say this before moving on to the next point. If God the Father did not spare Christ the Son... He will not spare you for rejecting the only sin-atoning sacrifice. Jesus gave himself as your substitute. He did not, God did not spare him, but he gave him as a gift to be received through faith. If you reject Jesus, you will then pay your own penalty. With a material being that's corrupted, imperishable, that cannot handle eternity. Good luck. That's what he's saying. But for the Christian, though, we have a great, and glorious thing. It is a great, and glorious thing. We have a resurrected body coming. We have salvation. We have new life. We have redemption. We have been made new. And so, what is it going to be like when Jesus returns? What's it going to be like? This is awesome. This what's really awesome about this is Paul's going to get into what this looks like, and it's just this church. If you remember, if you've been with us through this whole sermon or sorry, sermon series, you've seen. The past 14 chapters, the Corinthians are a mess, a mess, a mess. Paul's rebuked them countless times. But then we, he ends this chapter 15 with this great and glorious image. That, and I hope that will be encouragement to you. And, and, and it indeed was for them who have been struggling with their sin, the sinful nature. Longing for the redemption, longing for glory, longing for Christ's return, longing for the new heavens, the new earth, longing for the day in which Jesus will make all things new. And so to help them anticipate that day, he says this, How verse, verse 51, and we're at answering the question, How will it, or what will happen when Jesus returns? He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. It's a mystery at that moment. But once he tells it, it's no longer a mystery. I want you to see this. He's like, I'm going to tell you something you don't know. But once I tell you, it's no longer a mystery yet. We shall not all sleep, meaning some Christians will be alive when Christ returns. It wasn't any of them. It may not be any of us. But at some point, when Jesus returns, there's going to be Christians alive. There's going to be Christians alive. But all, all who are in Christ, he is saying, shall be changed. Whether you died and you're going to be resurrected, With a glorious body, you're going to be changed or you're still walking around on earth when Jesus returns. All shall be changed. He says it's going to happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised imperishable and shall be changed. For the perishable body put on the imperishable. So our earthly bodies will get imperishable bodies glorified bodies and the mortal body will put on its immortality will have uncorruptible immortal bodies the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall, com- this, uh, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. What he's saying is there's some Christians who will die, and then there's some Christians who will still be alive when Jesus returns. Those who were alive when Jesus returns, well, they're going to get a resurrected body. They're, they're going to be walking in their earthly body, and then boom, they got a new body. It's going to be like a moment, like a twinkling of an eye. It's going to be so fast. It's going to be incredible, and they're going to get the body that we've been talking about about the body that we've been i have spent the past 37 minutes talking about they're going to get that body those who are on the ground are going to get that body as well they're going to be raised too he says it's a mystery but it's no longer a mystery we don't have to know when jesus will return we don't have to know what day it'll be all we don't even even know what the trumpet will sound like we just know that if that's going to happen it's going to he's going to sound the trumpet and then boom all of a sudden resurrected bodies glorified bodies no more pain no more suffering The same author of this book, 1 Corinthians, wrote another book to the Thessalonians called 1 Thessalonians, and he wrote in chapter 4 depicting the scene as well. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. That's Jesus will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. So again, we have this like triumphal moment. Have you ever wondered why, like, I was at a football game uh, last night, and, and there was a, before the game, we're on the field, I'm with my kids, and we have this moment where before every game, uh, you, you, you know, the, the, there's the, the, the singing of the Star-Spangled Banner, and like, I get it, in football, that's, people get real, you know, that's a whole other sermon, but anyway, there's this moment where this happens before every single game. Every single game, if and, and if you've never been there, if you've ever experienced this, if you've ever been an athlete and been a part of this, this is one of the coolest moments of the game. Like you hear the Star Spangled Banner, whether you're thinking about your country or the game you're about to play, but it doesn't matter. If, if when everyone is singing and, 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 and the crowd is, is, is focused on the song and you hear the, 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 the band playing, chills run through the veins of, of the athletes on the field. And why? Because it's about to be game time. Or, or if you're watching a fight, a, a boxing match or a UFC fight, before what happens, there, before the, 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 the fighter comes out, there, there's music that plays. The summons, like, here's what's about to happen. They're about to take the field. They're about to take their moment. Here is this opportunity, and it's this entry music for the coming uh, 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 event. The one, the, what you've all been there, uh, the football game, what you're there to watch. To witness, we we watch the the game, and so as we're on the field with the with the kids, it, the 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 star-spangled banner happens. Then there's there's music, and then there's uh, there's there's smoke literally coming out of the locker room area, and the, the the team takes the field, and everyone erupts, everyone cheers, and it's like this is awesome. This is why we're here. You want to know why those moments are awesome? It's because we were made for moments like that. We we're made for an eternal moment. When the trumpet sounds, that's what it's going to be like, folks. But it's going to be better than that. Like, you've seen these moments, and they're, and they're really awesome. I'm not, I'm not neglecting. I'm not, I'm, those are awesome moments. And they're really experientially awesome moments. You get pumped. You're like, man, I, I want to go fight. I want to take the field. And you're like, like, why do we, as non-athletes, think that we, once we hear the intro song, can go out there and perform? Like, it's illogical. It is foolish. But we're like, yes. We're here, or, 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 or the person that, that you've been waiting to watch, like, uh, like the bride coming down the aisle, the music heralds, the, the crowd stops, they turn around and look. And, and the reason why you were gathered is marked by a sound the trumpet sound. The reason why, we, when, when we hear the trumpet, it's going to be a glorious moment. Eyes are going to be fixed on the Lord Jesus, His presence is going to descend. And guess what? We can't handle that presence. So in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment, boom, we switch. We get our glorified bodies. And we get to see him, look upon him. No fear, just glory. Like just the adrenaline tracing and racing through your veins on on a big sporting event is nothing worth comparing to that moment when Jesus returns. It's going to be an awesome thing. So every time you, 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 you hear a walkout song before a fighter comes out or you, you're at a football game or wherever you're at, a sporting event, and there's this, this moment where, that's marked by, by the sounds of music to, to point us to the big event and you get real excited. Some of you tear up and you get really you're just pumped. Just know that's just a little taste. A little taste in part of what your soul longs for when Christ returns. So the day is coming. We don't know when. And he says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are dead, boom, risen, new, new body. And then we who are alive, who are left, if, there are, if you're a Christian and you're alive, you'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. Meet him in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. See the Thessalonians and the Corinthians didn't get to see that glorious day when Jesus returns. He hasn't returned. We may not get to see that day when Jesus returns, uh, may, meaning that we may not be alive when he returns. We'll see the day, but we may be, when we may have died first. But but we, I need us to understand Jesus is returning, and he's returning victoriously, and at the end, and that last trumpet sound when he returns, it will it will change everything for us in that moment. And he says, "Let us encourage one another with these words." And so I, what I want to do is, is go back to First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to end with this question: Will you labor from victory? So as we end, I want us to think about how, how, how this reality and this is the point I think Paul is making here how does this reality of the imminent return of Jesus Christ affect us in the present? Does this mean we should just roll over, sit down, lay on our hands? Oh, my life's hard. People hate Christians. My body hurts. I'm just going to sit here and just wait for Jesus to return. Just in my own pity, waiting for the glorious day. I'm just waiting. No, that's not what he says to do. He says labor from victory. He says, oh, death, where is your victory? On that day, you're going to be like, death? Oh, really, death? You were victorious? You thought you were the victor? Like, you, 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 so many people died? Death has lost its victory when Christ returns, because oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. Well, guess what's gone? Sin. No more sting of death. The, the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us what? Victory. We don't lose. We win. Victory. Through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus's victory is our victory. I hope we see that. Jesus' victory is our victory. So when he returns, we rise with the victorious king. Verse 58, he says, So in light of all that, so in light of all that, what should we do on earth? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be what? Steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Just mail it in, just sit at home, watch Netflix till Jesus returns? Absolutely not. He says, abound in the the work of the Lord. So much work to be done in the name of the Lord. And doing it, and he says, knowing that in the Lord, what? Your labor is not in vain. We labor as victors, but labor we do. We work, we work hard. Because death has lost its sting for the Christian. If you're a Christian, you need to understand this. You're immortal. Death can't keep you down. I'm not saying be foolish with your life and make bad habits and not use the wisdom of the Lord. But what I'm saying is because of the resurrection and the promise of the resurrected body, we can risk it all for the cause of Christ. And we ought to risk it all for the cause of Christ. And we shouldn't have live in fear. We should live in victory. The victory that Christ Jesus has had. If they kill you, don't worry. You get resurrected. That's what the, the cry of the first century was. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. That's what happened to all the Apostles. But the point being is that we have a power. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a spirit. It is God, the Holy Spirit, who's filled us and equipped us and sent us on the kingdom mission. Jesus' kingdom. He has a real kingdom. It's not a fake kingdom. It's a real kingdom because he's a real king and we have a real mission and we're to be about his mission and he says when you work like that you're, you're to do it in a way that, that 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 abounds in the work of the lord like it should be like you should look at the church of jesus and go man y'all, y'all are productive your work is abounding it's not maintaining and this is why when people are like i don't i, don't want, I want to keep churches small or blah, blah blah if that's you i'm not mocking you i'm mocking the idea of this because it's not biblical it's that we should be abounding in the work of the lord It should abound to the point where you're like, we're doing it all. The church of Jesus, not just our church, but every single church that waves the banner of King Jesus, resurrected Jesus... Jesus, the only way to God, the only saver of sinners, the only way to salvation, not an editor of the scriptures, but proclaimer of the scriptures, those churches, we rally together in unity and go, the king is the king, his name is Jesus, let's abound in the work of the Lord in our city, the next city, our nation, the next nation, the entire world. And if they hate us, Jesus loves us. If they hate Jesus, Jesus loves them. He loved the world, so He gave himself. Christians should not just risk their life, but they should risk their reputation. Risk it. Throw it away. Who cares what the world that's passing away thinks of you? Why? I get it. You're, you're thinking in the flesh. Think like a Christian. Think like an immortal, eternal being. Jesus is returning. Risk it all for the cause of Christ. We are victors. We are not losers. Labor like a victor. Labor in King Jesus' victory. You've been born again to live forever. Born again to make much of the king. We are called, Christians, to live like Christ. Meaning this, that because of the resurrection, we have hope in the future. But also we have the Spirit in the present meaning that you have power over sin. Sin, where's your sting? Death, where's your sting? Sin, I know you're around. I, it, you're, you're like an annoying chihuahua just biting at my feet. Sometimes I'm real scared of it. If you're a dog person and you really like that, you're going to hate what I'm about to say. Just kick it across the yard. Sin, not the dog. Kick sin across the yard. Because you have victory in the power of Christ Jesus through the resurrection and through the the eternal spirit of of God, the Holy Spirit living in you. Death, where is your sting? Sin, what, what what are you doing? I have power over you in the name of Jesus to live the life that Christ has called me to. To accomplish what he has set out for me to do. To fight sin victoriously like a victor. Not a loser and be, be, be just stuck. And what I mean by this is, is not just stuck in the cycle of sin in, in which you feel like you have no hope. So if you feel like you're stuck and you feel like I can't get out and you feel like I'm addicted and I feel, and I just there is no hope, look not to the flesh, but look to the resurrected Savior. There's hope, there's victory over your sin in the present, which you can fight it and, and live victoriously. In the present. And what does he say? He says, Be steadfast, meaning don't give up. Are you fighting sin? Don't stop. Don't stop today. Don't stop tomorrow. Don't stop till Jesus returns. That the the imminent return of Christ means that you can endure to the end because you can hold on till then. You can last till then. You you can you can be empowered till then. He's coming. Hold tight. Don't give up, he says. Be steadfast. Don't compromise. Don't edit the faith. Proclaim the faith. Endure to the end, and you'll be saved. Don't give up. He says, be immovable, meaning don't let people push you around. Be be solid, be confident, be courageous, not callous or cowardice, but be confident in Christ. Standing firm, risking your life and your your reputation for the cause of Christ. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, when you do this, your life will count. I want you to see this, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that when you do that, your labor is not in vain. There is vain labor, but work for the Lord is not. How you do your job, how you you manage your finances, how you uh, parent your kids, how you love your spouse, should be done unto the Lord. If you do so, it's not in vain. It could be in vain. So repent today and do it unto the Lord, and your life will count. Your marriage will count. Your legacy will count. Your work will count. It will count for the cause of Christ. And I want our lives to count. I want your life to count. I want your legacy to matter. I want, because of you, this is what I, I pray for this church and our, all of us here. I pray that, that, I, I, that because you lived and breathed and God allowed you to be living in the city of San Antonio, but because of your faithfulness, your life will count in such a way that generation after generation that follow you will continue to know and love Jesus because of you. They may not know your name. They may not know where your tomb is because you'll be like Jesus with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And they may, your reputation may have been marred and no one cares about you, but I want your life to count. I want you to make a difference here on earth as it is in heaven. So, don't give up. Don't give up. Be immovable. Be solid. Be confident. Be courageous. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that because of the resurrection of Jesus, the return of Christ, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, your labor is not in vain. So, keep giving, keep loving, keep serving, keep discipling, keep fighting sin, keep proclaiming the Savior. Jesus is alive, and he is returning. We have great cause to celebrate and great reason to have hope. That's gonna be a glorious day when we hear the trumpet and we see the return of Christ. Now, to help us fix our eyes on that, we're gonna respond to the taking of communion. Pastor Alex is gonna come up and explain it. And then afterwards, we're gonna sing songs. It's gonna have a whole band. And we're gonna sing. Sing like Jesus is alive and that you're gonna get a resurrected body. Amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the resurrection of Christ, in the future resurrection of our bodies. Thank you that we get heavenly bodies, new bodies, eternal bodies, bodies that don't corrupt, bodies that aren't prone to sin, pr- bodies that are that are made new. We thank you for that, and so may we, in light of eternity, in light of that day that that, that is indeed coming. Um, when when Jesus you return, may we anticipate that that day with great uh, joy, and may that empower us to live faithful lives here on earth may we may be empowered to love like you jesus to serve like you jesus to 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 labor not in vain but unto the lord in every sphere of our entire life may we labor victorious like the king's kids whom we are grant us hope encourage us through that word today i pray lord jesus amen